This Nation's Saving Grace, 1995. This is the one the album spoke about in hushed tones, in hallowed halls up and down the land. The greatest fall album of them all. Or is it? For some reason, fall fans cannot always agree on which album to bestow this honour. Some say Nations, some say Hex, some say Perverted by Language, some even say shift work. I've honestly heard that said. I'm not kidding. So huddle around, let's look at the evidence. Is Nations the greatest fall album of them all? 1985 is a bad year for post-punk. It's probably a bad year for everything. How could a band that started in 1976, living through the swings and spit of punk, even consider releasing anything like their greatest album in 1985? Also, I guess it should be said that Greatest Fall albums are really ripe for reappraisal and knocking off their pedestal. Are they really that good? Really? I guess it's an understatement to acknowledge that the Fall are known for their lineup changes. There's been a f- quite a few already in these eight years of existence. There's going to be quite a few more as we go on. Here, though, we managed, at least for a time, to lose the whole backbone of the band, the Hanley Brothers. Paul on drums and Steve on bass. For Paul, this would be a permanent arrangement, but he'd be rather effortlessly replaced by Carl Burns, who had played with the band on and off since the beginning and as one half of the framed two-drummer lineup. While Paul had just about had enough of life in the band, Steve Hanley would attain the least fall-like holiday imaginable, maternity leave. He would be given a thousand pounds to enjoy the first flush of fatherhood. If this seems unlikely, it could also be imagined that Steve's characteristic bass lines wouldn't be easy to replace as well. However, Royal College of Music graduate Simon Rogers was drafted in as near seamless replacement to Steve for the writing of the album. As the most least likely fall member in the least likely of circumstances. A move to a classically changed replacement may have thwarted many bands, but not the fall, and certainly not this nation's saving grace. Steve was back for the actual recording sessions though, learning his riffs directly from Rogers. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but all my favourite Fall albums also have my favourite album covers. The Early Years Comp, Grotesque, Hex Induction Hour and This Nation's Saving Grace. This was Klaus Kassenskilt's third Fall cover. Well, Klaus and Michael Pollard. The cover is actually a mixed-media drawing technique over Pollard's original photograph of the Manchester City centre skyline at night. He also took the band shots on the gatefold in a cover. Klaus drew the clouds and a chariot in the darkening Manchester skies using what looks like black marker pen. It's a great combined media drawing that perfectly fits the disjointed, sometimes sinister music within. And remember, this was a time when even your favourite bands had awful album covers. Anyway, 
least we forget this is peak Brick Smith era and the move towards a more pop, riff-driven sound that seems to avert many original fans of the band at this stage. Off the bat, and for the record, I'm a big Creep fan. 80s Fall can do all the skewed pop and twisted surf it wants as long as we get an auto-tech pilot thrown onto the B-side. This balance of Brix's pop smarts and the band's sinister experiments finds its summit on this nation's. Along with a well-sequenced album-like quality provided by the opening and closing tracks Mansion and Two Encroachment Yarbles. With its nadsat, Clockwork Orange language reference to balls. These two tracks neatly tie the album together, opener Mansion being an instrumental version of Yarbles. What's between these two bookends, though, is surprisingly powerful and eclectic, in just the right ways. Hold on, is it just my imagination? Or is this album the best produced Fall album as well? No, it can't be. But the returning John Leckie seems to find just the right mix of odds and rocks to make this thing really fly, while still sounding grainy, warped and out of whack. It's a perfect balance, this. It makes for a really layered, complex sound. Bombast points the way this album will go. Raw, noisy, and well, bombastic. Balmy is well, balmy. English slang for crazy and containing one of those fall riffs, this time from Valerie by the Monkees. What you need is an odd slice of lo-fi repetitive psych of which other examples lie within. Spoiled Victorian child takes us back to the skewed sinister rock of bombast. LA is different again. Great circular riff, keyboard sequences and repeated refrains reset us for the vinyl side too. Gut of the quantifier is reminiscent of the doors changeling, but not distractively so. These massive bricks riffs, she should be ruining the fall with them. The fact that she isn't is a feat of human magicianship. Here, things get stranger and poppier all at the same time, and we are taken back into Smith's new house. Sounds like they got a good deal on it. Sticking with the domestic bliss and drum machine wonder, that is the psyched out paintwork, which warps in and out of psychic zones like something off Neil's The Heavy Concept album. The Fall is surely the only band to make even settling down into something odd and creative and scary. This leaves only one song, I Am Damo Suzuki, basically a tribute to the Can singer, but far more spooky and unhinged than anything Can ever did. That wasn't really their vibe anyway. Still, the band managed one more steal even at this late stage with this one rather appropriately from Can's Oh Yeah from Take Omega. It's a suitably warped, chaotic way to lead into the final vocal version of Mansion, Encroachment Yarbles, and a fine, oddly sad way to finish one of the fall's greatest albums. Every day you have to die some, every day you have to cry some, for the rumour all the good times are past and gone. 